Talk radio and all podcasting platforms. This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Succi. Welcome back to another Max and Friends. You know, by now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Succi. Let me know what's going on in your life. I hope you're doing well. Yes, it's a whole different vibration. It's literally live at 11 o'clock on the East Coast, 8 p.m. on the West Coast. I haven't done this in a long time especially being on the East Coast. And here, I'm in New York, and it's like getting super dark, super early. (laughs) And it's a whole different energy and a whole different vibration. But it's all part of the journey, the wonderful journey of being in this now present moment. And where we are right now is exactly where we're supposed to be. And that's you tuning in to Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. It's your first time joining us. We've been here for 13 years. You know what to do by now. Tune in, spread the word, tell your friends, email me, max at maxtucci.com, and let me know who you want to have on my show. I want to hear about it. And um, on our show, I should really say on our show. Tonight, there's been so much going on, especially in the news. You all heard on Friday what happened at The View with Anna and Sonny. You know, there was this... um, COVID positive testing, then a negative testing, and the vice president was supposed to be on. And it was all just, I said, can you imagine being, you know, I do shows often and imagine being on a show and you or your guest have to walk off because of this situation. Again, it's all part of the journey. What's your journey? What are your beliefs? What do you believe in? Is it something? Is it nothing? Well, you know, from Hollywood to the Himalaya, she's back here with us tonight in just a moment, Sam. Sadvi Bhagawati Saraswati is here, and we're going to continue our conversation. We had a wonderful conversation the last time she was here. It came into a two-part special, and you've been asking me, where is she? Busy, busy, busy doing things with Deepak Chopra, promoting the book, Hollywood to the Himalayas. I want you to get the book, go on Amazon right now and buy the book. Um, Tonight, though, we're going to have really a solid conversation on the journey, on the journey, on your journey. And where is your journey taking you? Is your journey taking you from Hollywood to the Himalayas? Is your journey taking you from upstairs to downstairs? Is your journey taking you from one room to the next? Is your journey taking you from one step to the next? Or from one moment to the next? I want to know. I want you to sit back, relax. I know this is a live show and we're just going to have a really good conscious conversation on the journey. So welcome back, Sadvi, to Max and Friends. Welcome. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be back together with you and with your whole community. Thank you. It's a joy to have you here in this now moment. I appreciate you so much. And, you know, we knew this was going to happen. And I just knew that when it would happen is when it was exactly supposed to happen. So it's in this now moment that you're here. When we had you here the last time we spoke about your book, Hollywood to the Himalayas, it, was a, it is a beautiful book. And I've hoped so many have gotten the, the opportunity and the privilege to read your story and your traumas and your pains and your struggles and also your triumphs and your travels. Uh, speaking of travels, you've been so busy. Fill us in a little bit since you've been here on last on Max and Friends to, to what you've been up to. 
Sure. Well, I was here last time, just just under two months. I think it must have been about six weeks ago or so at the very, very beginning of the post-book launch tour. So Hollywood to the Himalayas launched the first week of August, and I've been on a a COVID abbreviated tour. It's been really interesting to be traveling, to be in so many cities, to be with people again, and yet also to be really fully aware in each place of what responsible leadership looks like. So it's been really interesting because there's the excitement around the launch of the book. There's the excitement around sharing the story because as we spoke last time, it's not just my story. It's everyone's story. The details of the trauma or the challenge are different. The details of the way that we heal are different, but ultimately that journey and that's why I wrote Hollywood to the Himalayas is, is to be everyone's journey. Mm. So there's all of that excitement, but then there's also been this other piece around responsible leadership in the pandemic. So we've really been finding these very interesting ways of balance and ways of tuning in to each situation as it arises and changes And it's been really beautiful, Max. I just, right now I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. I had a program at Grace Cathedral in San Francisco this past week. And I just got into California from New York, where, as you mentioned, I did an in-person event with Deepak Chopra, which was beautiful and wonderful. It was such a deep dive into healing and awakening and yoga and meditation and spiritual experience and suffering. I also on the East Coast did a beautiful conversation with Elaine Pagels, who's the author of many, many books. She's a professor at at Princeton University where we did the event. And she's written books like the Gnostic Gospels and why religion. And so she's a very renowned and just exquisitely God-intoxicated woman. And so there we were having this sort of academic dialogue, and yet we were just two God-intoxicated women on the stage. And it was really, really beautiful. We had in New York an event at the... Indian Consulate with the United Nations and Religions for Peace, which is the world's largest interfaith organization of religious leaders all over the world. And that was really beautiful. The The consulate is a beautiful consulate as well in the 60s, right off of uh, Madison, a beautiful consulate. It is, it is really beautiful. Yeah, it's on 64th. 64th. Yeah, the Indian High Commission. Beautiful building. It was really beautiful. And what was especially a wonderful 
a wonderful bonus was that the external affairs minister of India happened to be in New York at the time because she was addressing the United Nations. And so she she came as well. So we had this beautiful blend of the world of faith and religion, the United Nations, the Indian government. So it was a beautiful, beautiful blend. And yeah, before that, I've been in so many cities. That was just the last, the last place where I was before coming to California. And then now on Wednesday, I'll be in LA at USC for my last actual in-person event of this tour. I'm going back to India in a couple of weeks. So, but yeah, there'll be, there'll be obviously another tour when I come back. But for this tour, that was the, the USC coming up on Wednesday will be the last in-person event. So any of your community who's in LA, join us at USC on Wednesday evening. Maybe, Max, we can get you the details of that and you can put it in your Absolutely. show notes so you can come. Wonderful. Thank you. Absolutely. So you've been busy. You know, I heard you say the, re- the word why. Why the journey, Sadhvi? Why the journey? Well, the journey, there's so many journeys. It's like layer upon layer. The physical journey of let's let's take it from the outermost layer to the innermost layer. So the physical journey of the book tour is this beautiful and amazing opportunity to be sharing a journey that creates space into which other people I have found find freedom Mm -hmm. to experience their journey. And when I look back on my, my life's journey, that Hollywood to the Himalayas actual journey, I realized that, yes, it was an incredible blessing for me. It's been amazing for me. But I realized that I was gifted with this journey in order to be able to share it with others and in order to be able to use that to to hold space, to create kind of a container, a safe container into which people can take the first first steps of their journey you know I think about I think about children on the edge of a swimming pool like toddlers you know jumping for the first time into the pool with their their mom or dad in the pool going jump 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 you know come on in jump and the kid first is kind of like oh I don't think so and then eventually they just take this beautiful leap of faith into those arms and then of course they squeal with delight and then they just want to keep getting out and doing it again and again and again and again and I find that a lot of us right now are on that edge of the pool Mm. like we know we're supposed to leap we know that that's the next step and we know in theory 
that it should be safe to do so. But there's something within us that just, that doesn't feel safe to leave, that doesn't trust. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust the universe. Maybe we don't trust God. Maybe we trust God to take care of everything else except us. There's always that, like, I am the exception to the everything is perfect rule. And for whatever reason, we don't leap. And I've been very, very blessed to to be able to kind of energetically help people through sharing my story create a space into which they find that courage to take that first leap. And when they do, they find that the universe catches them. That it's not that they're leaping into the the void, that it's that they're actually leaping into arms that are waiting. And... Thus, their journey continues to unfold in a beautiful, beautiful way. Mm. So, yeah, it's been, it's been really a, a beautiful blessing, both the most recent short short tour, but also just the journey of the 50 years of my life, of the, the trauma, the challenges, the anger, the angst, the addiction, the struggle, the suffering, and then the freedom from that, the letting go of that, and then the ability to, to share that with others. Mm. So how do we actually let go so that we can begin the journey? I think the first and most important piece is that we have to actually want to let go. Mm, Beautiful. I I think back to the days when I was a cigarette smoker and it was in my early 20s. It was just sort of the thing that you did when you were giving up other addictions. And so I took it up. And I remember people saying, you should quit. And I remember saying, yeah, yeah, I want to quit. And then I remember realizing you know, I don't actually want to quit. I want to want to quit. (laughs) But you have to go from wanting to want to quit to actually wanting to quit in order to do it. And in the same way, whether we are talking about being addicted to cigarettes or alcohol or drugs or food or gambling or shopping or scrolling Facebook to distract ourselves, whatever it may be. If we want to make a change, we have to really want it, not want to want it, not simply know that, yeah, that would be a good thing to do, but actually we we don't really want to do it. (laughs) You have to want to. And when we think about our grudges and our pain and our identity and that which we're holding on to, a lot of us 
want to want to let it go. Like we know in theory, I should let it go. But we still have too much invested in it to really want to let it go. Mm. And that's where I would begin is to say, do you really want to let it go? Or do you simply think that, you know, you should let it go? It reminds me of that story that I love of the the meditator who is on this meditation retreat and he goes to the master one day and he says, my mind keeps wandering. You know, I sit for meditation and I'm trying to focus on God and wanting God's love and wanting to find God and feel God and connect with God, but my mind just keeps wandering. And so the master takes him out to this river and holds the guy's head under the river in the water. And first the guy thinks, oh, you know, okay, this is, you know, maybe some Buddhist form of baptism or something. (laughs) And then then he realizes, oh, my God, he's actually trying to drown me, you know, And, and the master is not letting him bring his head up. And he's thrashing around for dear life, gasping. He's not really gasping. He's suffocating, but wishing he could gasp for air. And finally, just before he literally passes out, the master pulls him out of the water. And as the guy now is gasping and coughing and the master says, so what were you thinking about? And the guy's like, thinking about? I was going to die. What do you mean? What was I thinking about? I was thinking about living. And the master says, was your mind wandering? And the guy's like, mind wandering? Of course, my mind wasn't wandering. I was going to die. I was focused on getting a breath. And the master says, when you want God, like you wanted a breath of air, your mind will stop wandering. And I love that story because it just cuts so clearly through all of the ways that we say, you know, yeah, yeah, I can't concentrate. Yeah, yeah, my mind wanders. Yeah, I can't do it. And you realize, well, are we letting go, forgiving, wanting to forgive, wanting to experience our true self like you want a breath of air when you're drowning? Or are we doing it because we know we should? And it's just Mm -hmm. kind of another item on our to-do list after, you know, make an organic green smoothie or something. (laughs) And, you know, here's all the things we should be doing that are good for us. And how many can you tick off each day? In order to really let go. Mm-hmm. You have to realize you are being suffocated by what you are not letting go of. It is that which is trapping you. It is that which is holding you back. It is that that is the reason you are not mm-hmm. free, joyful, in love, peaceful, expansive, uplifted, inspired, connected. 
And so you have to want to let it go. Mm-hmm. Like you would want to get out of jail. Absolutely. So, you know, I smoked two, two packs a day <laughs> for many years and I loved it. I used to smoke Cartier menthols. I loved, I just thought it was the coolest thing. I was young when I started. And then I remember one day it was this, it was that suffocation, but not of, I want to stop smoking. It was the divine intervention of you need to stop smoking. <laughs> and it was why would I go into any sacred building, a church, a mosque, a temple, and destroy it when that which I am doing within myself is destroying my temple? And yes. it was in that exact moment that I just quit. And that was it. Yes. It wasn't this quest to quit. It wasn't this journey to quit. It was this moment of realization that I must um, and that was really a journey to break a, 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 a long habit of something that was enjoyable <laughs> to me, you know. So for others, you know, who are going through this journey and who are looking to quit or who are looking to start or who are looking to take that step or who are looking to dive into that pool or who are looking to have their head held in the river so they can see, hear, see, feel, know. That where they are right now is where they're supposed to be. I welcome you to this conversation. My guest tonight is Sadhvi Bhagavati Saraswati. The book is Hollywood to the Himalayas. We're talking about the journey, healing, trauma, peace, joy, love, belief. What is it that you believe? So, Sadhvi, what does the word believe mean to you? Hmm. To me, it means, I know semantically this is different, but for me, it really means to know. That which I believe is that which I, that which I know inside me. I don't, I don't think there's a distinction in me. There's certainly a way of knowing that is with my five senses, and then there's a way of knowing that isn't with my five senses. But I've experienced so many incredible knowings in life, not with my five senses, that I'm no longer dependent upon them as my only ways of knowing. So, yeah, for me, I would say... That which I believe is that which I know. I just couldn't necessarily prove it to you. It may not have an evidence in the tangible world. It may not have a size or a shape or a volume or a density that I could demonstrate, but I know it Mm. inside. Yeah, I know. I always say when when I'm asked the question about belief, I always I I raise the vibration to I know. And I know what I know because I know the knower. I know the source of all that is. I am the source of all that is. Therefore I do know. Uh you were mentioning the five senses. We're gonna take a break right now. We're gonna play a beautiful song called Believe by Sharon Agati. I reached out to her from the last show. I said, we need a new song to play tonight. <laughs> I have Sadvi coming on. And she said, I have a great one called Believe. 
I said, it's part of the journey. So let's take the journey right now, Sam, if we can. We'll set the song up, Believe by Sharon Agati. And when we're back, we're going to continue the journey and the conversation with Saad.
This is Max and Friends. That was Sharon Agati. Believe. What is it that you believe? What is it that you know? What is your journey? Welcome back, my guest, Sadvi Bhagavati. Saraswati to Max and Friends. Namaste, my friend. Second time, your family. <laughs> so this is the second time. <laughs> yes. And such another beautiful, beautiful song that she's given us. Yeah. You know, that song makes me just want to be still. You know, and that's really a song where I can be in that moment where I feel like the master is holding my head under the water because all I could do is focus on the words of mm. believe, of believe and knowing and knowing. So I would like to talk a little bit about healing because your entire story has been a process of divine healing and a divine understanding of no experience is ever wasted regardless of the trauma that you have endured and thrived through, here you are in this moment sharing your story, our story, the collective story of the journey and healing. From Hollywood to the Himalayas is the book, The Journey of Healing and Trauma. Healing and Transformation. Healing and Transformation. And the conversation yeah. now is healing and trauma. Yes. <laughs> healing and transformation is the full title of the book. <laughs> we begin with trauma right. and then move into healing and transformation. There's definitely trauma in it, but the book is on the transformation much more than on the trauma. On the trauma. But the, the trauma, healing. though, is real. The trauma is real. And the trauma is real for so many, too. And it's, you know, it's always the caterpillar to the cocoon to the butterfly, right? The transformation. So for you, when did you realize that there was the trauma? Oh. Um, really young. Really young. I mean, the trauma, the trauma happened in early childhood. And... There was, there was abuse and then there was abandonment. And so I, I lived with a lot of that. There were parts of it that I carried with me my whole life. There were parts of it that I became more aware of as I got a bit, a bit older into my teens, into my adolescence and started to kind of be able to make sense of some things that I hadn't been able to make sense of when I was very young, but the trauma had been with me. And, you know, I think about my, my life as a, as a teenager, as an adolescent in my early twenties. And pretty much I went from 
boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend, sometimes overlapping, but kind of in this sense of a, a fear of ever being alone, a fear of ever being left and abandoned. And of course, at the time, I couldn't have articulated, oh, okay, so I'm I'm doing this because that's what I experienced and it's in response to that. But it's very clear in retrospect and as I, as I started working through it, that there were so many aspects of my life that were in reaction to, in response to the trauma. The bulimia that I developed in adolescence and stayed with me into my early 20s was on so many levels in response to the trauma. There was the sense of using food as a drug, literally a numbing agent. Um, And then there was a sense of literally emptiness, like of, of getting it out of me, of literally trying to through... The purge. You know, exactly. Through, through the through the vomiting up of the food, of thinking that somehow, I mean, and again, I was not so aware of this at the beginning, but I became aware of it as the years went by, of trying to pull from within me the pain, the anger, the darkness, all of that, as though somehow you know, as I say, as I say in the book, as though somehow it could literally just hitch a ride on a Mrs. Fields cookie and kind of come out and I would be free. And, and as, as that was that which occupied so much of my mind and my energy. I want to interrupt you real quick. When you say become free, Free from what? Well, I was suffering. Mm-hmm. I was suffering. I was I was living in a state, and again, you know, as a 17, 18, 19 year old, I was not necessarily able to articulate it in this way. Mm-hmm. I was able to articulate some of it. I used to say that I could write a book about my bulimia. I just couldn't stop doing it. So I was really self-aware. I could have told you a lot of this, just not all of it necessarily, mm-hmm. but I knew, I mean, knew that that which I was doing, both the eating of it and then the purging of it, that it all was trying to manage my pain, manage my suffering. Mm-hmm. And, and yet I couldn't stop. Simply knowing that was not enough to actually make it stop. And it wasn't for me until I went to India and actually was taken on a path of healing from the anger and the pain itself. So all of the the work that I was doing was work, the, the therapy, the counseling, all of that which I was in prior to India was focused on on the eating disorder, on the trauma, not focused on forgiveness. It was focused on 
get out the anger as though somehow if I could just vomit out the anger instead of the food, I would be okay. Mm. And, and what, what was really interesting was I had a lot of anger. I did a lot of, you know, hitting pillows with baseball bats and hitting punching bags with baseball bats and with my fists and, you know, all kinds of things like that. And yet it didn't make it go away. There was a, an endorphin rush. There was a sense of catharsis. There was all of that. But give me 24, 36, 48, 72 hours later. Mm. Back, it wasn't like it was gone for good. Mm-hmm. It came back. And it wasn't until I was in India at 25 when I was given that instruction to literally give the anger to the river to give the pain to the river which of course I had thought was very sweet very quaint and very impossible but of course it actually happened it actually worked it wasn't until then that I actually became really free and no longer needed to use the food in order to take care of the emotions, either stuffing them or getting them out because I got free of that. I I Mm. literally was able to, when you ask about the healing, the healing came from finding that anger and finding that pain and offering it, literally saying, I don't need you anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't need to identify as the victim anymore. I don't need to identify as this being who I have thought is dark and bad and wrong and not enough. And all the stories that we tell ourselves when, you know, we've had things like that happen in our youth. And regardless, by the way, of what your challenge is, what your struggle is, whether it was actually abuse or whether it was just that you got lots of love when you brought home A's and no love when you brought home F's or lots of love when your room was clean and no love when your room was dirty. We all carry with us stories that we tell ourselves about whether we're worthy, what do we need to do in order to be worthy of love? What do we need to do or be Mm. in order to be enough and worthy of love, worthy of occupying our place on planet earth. Yeah. And, and that, that's true for so many of us. And so that's where the forgiveness came in was literally being able to see his face. And I stood in that river under Mm -hmm. the moon. You know, it's a whole chapter in the book of literally standing there in the river and pulling that pain out of me until I could look at him and say, I forgive you. And the hymn is? I'm sorry? And the hymn, who was the hymn? Him was my the him was my biological father. My yeah. and it's all in the book. It's all in the book. It's all in the book. Right, right. But um, so you know, I was thinking all of this. Do we have 
karmic trauma? We have karmic experiences. Things happen. It's like if you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. How you react to that apple tree is literally planting seeds for what you will experience tomorrow. Mm. So we all are given experiences due to, I, it's important when you talk about karma to understand karma is not a system of rewards and punishment. Right. It is, it is <laughs> and it's not a bit either. <laughs> It's not, it's not Santa Claus who right. knows if you're good or bad and is kind of dishing out things accordingly. It's a system whereby you receive both that which is in response to the seeds you've planted, mm-hmm. but also that which is the most conducive for you to take your next step mm-hmm. on unfolding and awakening. And so do not think about it as, oh, you got something bad, therefore you must have done something bad. Mm -hmm. Or you got something good, so you must have done something good. It's not like that. When you talk about karmic trauma, we have experiences due to karma and those experiences give us opportunities to grow. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what this is all about. It's all about us unfolding and awakening and experiencing the truth of who we are so that we can live that. We can and live that. Exactly. So yeah. that we can be those vessels and vehicles of divine flow. And of divine, divine flow. I love divine flow. It oozes. It oozes divine flow. You know, we share a similar story in the sense of uh, anger towards our biological fathers. Mine was that he died when I was eight years old. And it was many years later that the anger of him, the abandonment, the roles that I took on from his death as a child... And um, it's going to be published in a book uh, coming up uh, on, in Sacred Stories about meditation. And it was when I was at the Kashi Ashram in Florida, where it was literally, and this was my truth. So for those of you who are listening, yes, I curse. <laughs> but it was, my, it, it was my fuck you to my thank you moment, where I was so pissed at my father for so many years of like making me, you know, have at eight years old, leaving me and all these roles. And it was in that moment that I was by the river in Florida, 75 acres, and I'm by the river and I'm just like purging this anger of fuck you and screaming and anger. And it was in that moment that it was like, no, the fuck you turned to the thank you. Thank you for dying when I was eight years old so that I could have my life. So that I wouldn't have to be, you know, chain and ball to Delmonico's and be a restaurateur that I didn't want to be so that I could be in this moment. It was like the thank you. It was the surrender of, oh, I get it now. And um, it was in that moment where it was so beautiful that I could just let go. And that's really when I think the journey of not only my life, but also my show, this show started to change. 
and um and it's the seeking for those who are in the space of that divine flow so that for those of my guests and my listeners who are tuning in tonight know that the divine flow is possible for them is possible Absolutely. for you that that's max why i wrote hollywood to the himalayas mm. because i felt like everybody or so many who see me and come to Rishikesh and listen to satsang, that they feel like I've somehow been cut from some different cloth <laughs> and that I've got this fascinating, amazing story, but that it's not applicable to them, that it's amazing and awe-inspiring, but it's not something that they could emulate. Whereas what I realized was so important for people to know is I'm not cut from a different cloth. I know pain and I know struggle and I know suffering. And I also know freedom. Mm. And I also know joy and I also know peace. And you can too. And it doesn't require a physical journey from Hollywood to the Himalayas. <laughs> it could be your journey up the stairs of your house or down the stairs of your house or from one room to another room, as Max, you said in the beginning, it, it could be simply a journey while the physical body stays put from one part of your awareness to another part of your awareness, mm. because whether you're moving physically from Hollywood to the Himalayas from one room to another, from upstairs to downstairs or vice versa. What matters most is the shift in consciousness, the mm. shift in way of thinking. And for me, there were two parallel journeys. There was the physical journey, but then there was also the journey of my way of thinking from what I call the Hollywood way, which says, you know, you are your identity, you are your story, you are your body, you are your history, you are your relationships, you are how much money you make, to the Himalayan way of thinking, which says you have a body, but you're <laughs> not your body. And that body has had experiences, but they are not you. You are the soul, you are the spirit, you are the divine, you are love. And lots of people get on airplanes from LA and end up in Rishikesh and don't necessarily have a healing or transformation. You need the shift of the way of thinking to go along with it. And that shift of the way of thinking could take place regardless of where you are physically. Mm -hmm. So that's actually what led me to spending the hundreds of hours that writing Hollywood to the Himalayas took was realizing people need to know that it is possible, that it's not just about managing our pain. It's not just about managing our life, managing our addictions, but actually we can be free. We can be free. We can be free. The one thing at this moment we're not free from is the illusion of time. <laughs> because we have to wrap it up. I could go on and on. I'm so grateful that you're joining me. Here we are. 
we're wrapping the show. <laughs> when I go into these like time vortexes or something here. <laughs> I We do. And, you know, it's it's where we are. So we're going to have to wrap this up. We have a minute left. Before we wrap it up, what would you like people to take with them into this next moment? That you are full, you are whole, you are complete, you are divine. And whatever it is in your life that is keeping you from knowing that, you can be free of it. Mm, believe. And knowing. Yeah, begin, begin with belief and then you will know. And you will know. And, and on, a, on a logistic level, if you are in LA, join us on Wednesday. I'll get you those details, Max, so you can get Please them do. into your service right away. Thank you. It's Wednesday evening at USC. And if you haven't yet got your copy of Hollywood to the Himalayas, get one and then let me know mm-hmm. how you have found healing and transformation from it. Beautiful. Because that's, that's what it's for. That's the journey. We're all on it together. We're all just walking each other home. (laughs) I love you for being here. I'm grateful for you being here. And thank you for everyone who made it possible for you to be here. I know there's a, there's a a tribe that brings you to this moment. So thank your tribe. And for my listeners tonight, I want you to know one thing for sure is that I love you. And I know these are words that some of you might not ever heard in your entire life. I love you. And I do. And I just wrap my arms around you in this moment to let you know that I do love you. And then no matter what you're going through, no experience is ever wasted. And you are the creator of your reality. Start creating something magical and get in the divine flow. I love you for tuning into Max and Friends. Until next time, love one another and love yourself as well. Sadvi, thank you so much. Namaste mm-hmm. to you. Namaste. I give you one of those big hugs as well. And I'll Love see you. you. We'll have a hug in, in, in person, I know. Whether it's going to be in India or here or where, it will happen. So until then, I hug you here on Max and Friends. Mm-hmm. Have a beautiful week ahead. I love you all for tuning in. Good night, good karma, and take life to the max. I'm your host, Max Pucci. <laughs>